today as we open our hearts to listen to your words speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. Well, go ahead and be seated if you can. Oh, I needed to sing that today. Anybody else? Was it just me? All right, just a couple of us. No, be full. Well, um, open your Bibles, if you would, with me to the book of John, right? All right. The book of John. Uh, and remember, tomorrow um, we start up again, John chapter 8. In fact, I, I was even reading John 8 today. Um, but going back today, we were reading 7. I know the dates now throw us off a little bit because it was easier when it was January 1st and John 1. So you have to think about it just for a little bit. Um, but I want to open with John 6.35 before I have you go to John 2. John 6.35. And it says this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Notice he says, and we read this a lot in the Gospels, come to me, right? Come to me, come and partake. Take a hold of the words that I say. They're going to be life uh, for you. So turn to John chapter 2, John chapter 2. And I want to read today a story that's in all of the Gospels. It's kind of one of those that we, uh, as we read it, it gives us a different look for a little bit at Jesus, how he responds in the temple. But I believe that it's powerful uh, for all of us today. And this is John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. And it says this. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And we had, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Let me read that again. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture than the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast... Many believed in his name, which they saw the signs which he did. Listen to what these last two verses say. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify 
of man, for he knew what was in man. I believe that last verse he's referring to John 6, which we looked about, that everybody wanted a sign. They would believe if they saw some sign. And he watched what he said to certain people. Now, I don't know about you, is this an interesting story about Jesus? Don't we usually picture Jesus, loving Jesus, meek Jesus, Jesus with the children? And do you always picture Jesus with the whip? Is that kind of your... Uh, that's Indiana Jones, isn't it, right? That's not, uh, that's not Jesus. You know, when, uh, when I was a kid, my first Bible, I remember it had a picture of Jesus. And in fact, he, and many of you will remember this one. He looks like this. Mary, you've seen that one. Uh, we don't have a picture, but I remember my other picture in the Bible, he had a lamb around his neck or he was knocking on the door, uh, right? So those are the usually ones that we have. Well, the next picture that we have, we're not used to seeing Jesus like this, going through the temple and turning over tables. Or this other picture here, we're not used to seeing Jesus with a whip. I doubt any of you have this picture in your house. <laughs> You've got to see this new artwork I just got. It's Jesus with a whip. It speaks to me every morning. <laughs> that, that kind of when we read that, it, it sure makes for us to kind of wonder exactly what was going on. But what's most important through this story, and I want to show up, throw up one more picture here. When we talk about Jesus and what he did, it's a picture of the, the temple court of the day and where the turning of tables happens is in the court of the Gentiles. So I want you to remember that as we go through. Where all of this merchandise and uh, sheep and oxen and turtle doves and all of the tables of them selling is happening in these outer courts. See, a Gentile could only go to the court of the Gentiles. They were not allowed to go past certain ones. And remember, the high priest was only allowed in the innermost part of the temple. So I want to read a couple of verses here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. How many of you have something that really makes you angry? That you see red, right? Anybody? Somebody cuts you off. We only have one honest person here in the church today. No. Somebody cuts you off in the freeway and that just upsets you. They call it today road rage. Somebody pulls in front of you in the drive through lane. Oh, that just sets some people off. And sometimes it can be the littlest things, right? Why did you leave socks in the back of my car, right? <laughs> when we do laundry, we don't want to turn your socks inside out. Can you just take your socks and leave them normal? Now, that's, nobody's looking around at anybody, right? I'm not talking about my son. Oh, yeah, I am. He's not in here. <laughs> All of us have something that can kind of set us off. Well, here we have these pictures of Jesus that sometimes are a little bit shocking, yet we read this verse. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. In fact, Ephesians 4.26, the Apostle Paul says this, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry. So I can be angry, but the challenge is how I don't sin. 
Jesus, you know, here's another verse in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. And just the last part says, and he had looked around at them with anger. Wait a minute, is that Jesus we're talking about or is that Peter? That's got to be Peter, right? Peter always gave the look. Now, this is Jesus. In fact, the, the story, if you read on, is this look of anger was at the Pharisees because they were attacking him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Somebody's healed and whole and they're attacking him, but he looks at anger, but we know Hebrews lets us know he doesn't sin. He doesn't sin. So think of this. The Jesus is going through this temple, overturning tables. He makes a whip. You know, I don't think you can get an ox to move by just yelling at it. You can't get your dog to move by you just yelling at it. He picks up and he wants to move these on out. You know, when we, when we look a little bit at this, those outer courts, one of the Bible historians, his name's Josephus. And he said over 200,000 animals would have been sold at this time for the sacrifice. See, what would happen, you might have traveled a long distance and so you didn't bring your uh, sacrifice for your offering, but they would have them there at the temple so that you could purchase it. But the problem was when you purchased it, it wasn't for an equal amount, they gouged you. And it became a, a merchandising or as you look in the Old Testament, they called it kind of like a den of thieves. See, these crowds are showing up at the temple and there's all of these people around. There's all of these people coming before Passover to make a sacrifice to the Lord. They're wanting to pray and they're wanting to worship, which seems like a great sign of life. But on the inside is what Jesus sees, that it's not after worship and prayer. It's after making money off of the people that have come to worship and to pray. People have come from a great distance to sacrifice before the Lord. Gentiles are coming and they're coming into these courts for some, uh, maybe a very first time. And they're being bombarded by those that are merchandising after them. It's no different, this image, than what we might see at a pagan temple of people worshiping other gods. You know, Jeremiah 7:11 says this, has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I have seen it, says the Lord. Leviticus 5, 7 says this, if he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespasses, which he has committed two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. Yet that's where Jesus throws in John chapter two, Take these things away. Don't make my father's house, right? A house of merchandise. So we read this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most Bible scholars believe there was two cleansing of the temple. But when you read it, it, it could be that there was one because the wording's all the same. If there was two, I think the reality is this. Uh, their hearts were so hard they just continued to do it again because they were making money. They probably put somebody on the lookout. Hey, if that Jesus guy from Nazareth comes, let us know ahead of time because he'll dump our tables over. You know, I can't imagine going to a swap meet and just running through a swap meet and throwing everybody's table over. Wouldn't you be in a fight with a bunch of people, right? Wouldn't they try to wrestle you down and hold you down? 
evidently not Jesus. They didn't do anything. You know, the law required a sacrifice of ox and sheep and pigeons. And so there was nothing wrong with them having one for them to purchase so that they didn't carry them. The problem was the heart was wanting to profit off of God's law. You know, many of us do that. We've gone to a baseball game and there's a guy that yells out, souvenir programs, right? Get your souvenir programs. Or you have the peanut guy, right? And you you wave to get your peanuts and he throws you the bag. We're used to those type of things at uh, a ball game. We're not used to those type of things in church, you know, in in a place of worship. It's almost like you go to the movie and you do the matinee price and then you go buy the popcorn and the popcorn costs like 10 movie tickets. They price gouge you, didn't they? We've seen in the news when there's a hurricane in a city that the gas prices triple, that the bottle of water now that, you know, you can buy a a case for just a few dollars, a bottle now is $10. You know, people price gouge. They take advantage. Uh, You go to a fair or a theme park nowadays. They get you parking. Even if somebody gave you a free ticket to get in. Then you go in and you buy something to eat and you think, I would have been better off if they gave me a free meal and I had to buy my ticket. (laughs) We all know places like that that would take advantage. And so what Jesus is seeing, not in my house, not in my father's house, when people have come to pray and to worship, will you take advantage of them? You know, uh, it would almost be like a church today. You could buy after service an annual pass. Right to the church, that allows you uh, preferred parking. We'll have somebody that'll valet and park your car for you. We'll actually save you a seat, VIP seat up front. Uh, the pastor after the service will give you a guided tour of the facility, and will hand you, uh, you know, a complimentary coffee and a coffee mug with uh, a logo or something on it. And it's good for one year. Sign up after church. That would kind of be what Jesus would be referring to. In something like this, it, it becomes shocking to him. But I love David's heart. When David in Psalm 84:10, he says this: For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. A day in your courts. I think that's Jesus' heart. Gentiles have come to worship God, right? Uh, following along, being in this outer court. And yet they've been taken advantage of. And I'm not going to let it happen. Because I want them to connect with God. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. David says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in tents of wickedness. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. One day in your courts is better than a thousand. You know, as we read on here... um, Notice that Jesus will refer to, he says, you know, and if you destroy this temple, in three days, it's going to be built again. So let's think of Jesus just for a minute. In Exodus, he leads them by a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They begin to construct the Ark of the Covenant that they have. They begin to construct a temple. And that very spirit of God dwells on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant and then on the inside of of the temple, the holy of holies, the place that only the high priest could go. And he would go once a year and he would take in the blood of a lamb that was without blemish. 
and he would take it in and present it before the Lord. But yet he wore a big rope around his waist. And the reason that he had a rope was if he went in, if there was any sin in his life, he would drop dead. And the rope was for them to drag him out down the aisle. Right? How would you like that job once a year? You'd make sure you were clean and set up. But God's plan all along was not to dwell on the inside of a building. His plan all along was to dwell on the inside of people. And the moment Jesus said, it is finished, the veil of the temple ripped in two. And no longer would the Spirit of God be behind that veil. It would now be in the hearts of people that believe. That was his plan all along. You know, so one of the things as I go through the story, Jesus isn't just doing this to clean the outside and hopefully they get the message. Because if there were two purifications of the temple that took place, they didn't get the message. They did it again anyways. They were going to make the money off of God's people, which wasn't right. But here's what I think Jesus also is wanting to show us when I read uh, this. He's wanting to overturn the tables in our hearts. He's wanting to drive some of those things out so that we do focus and worship and pray. Turn over the tail. I don't think that I've ever been so upset that I went to my dining room table and turned it over. If you did it, you did it just once, right? But he saw and he was angry that before God himself, that people would actually turn, he would turn the tables. He wanted people to connect with God. So I wrote that down. God wants to overturn the tables in my heart. God wants to drive out the things that would get in the way from me worshiping him. You know, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs those issues of life. We are free to come to him. We are free to worship. We're free to pray. We're free to listen to his voice. We're free to be encouraged by him today. We're free to, be, uh, to receive direction from him today. If we'll sometimes stop and say, Lord, take inventory. Is there anything in my life? that I need to overturn? Is there anything in the way about me stepping closer to you? Have I placed anything in the way? The Apostle Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the Apostle Paul takes it this way. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? That's where the Spirit lives. He's not in the Ark of the Covenant. He's not in the temple and the Holy of Holy. The, the Holy Spirit does not reside back here behind the cross in the baptismal all week long waiting for you to come at Sunday. Guess where he resides? On the inside of you. He's with you all the time. 
we're to remind ourselves that we are part of that living temple. In fact, he goes on and he says this. He says, and so you are not your own. You were bought with a precious price so that you could be free to worship. That you could be free to come to God. That there, There's nothing in the way. There's not a merchandising table that you have to go buy. You don't have to put, you know, you go to the store nowadays and they have somebody right there trying to sell you solar panels or air conditioning or there's always somebody in every store trying to sell you something and you go in a different direction or you, you put your head down or you, you, you pretend that you're on your phone because you don't want to be disturbed. He says, no, 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 you, I bought you with a price and I want you to come to me. There's nothing in the way anymore. But inventory to make sure, is there anything that I need to overturn that's blocking me from what he's wanting to do in my life? And he says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, right? They're God's. Now, the last part I want to look at is uh, in Matthew chapter 21. Now, again, this story is told again in Matthew 21. Now, let me, let me mention this. I think it's important, too. John sticks it in chapter 2, right after the water turned to wine, that we read the cleansing of the temple. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have it at the end, and they have it really after Palm Sunday that it takes place. So many will say this. In fact, I was reading, somebody said, well, you know, John's gospel uh, is Jesus' last 22 days on earth. Well, I don't believe that at all. He would have had to have been in a hustle, Right? For 22 days. Uh, but when we read these things and we see these in several of the Gospels, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention to remind us it, it really doesn't matter if there was one or two or three or five. It's the Holy Spirit saying this event took place because Jesus wanted people to connect with God and he didn't want anything in the way. He didn't want anything in the way. And if it meant him embarrassing himself, Turning tables, driving out sheep and oxen, moving every, the money changers out, people getting upset. Have you ever seen those Jewish markets, how those guys barter? They yell at each other. You ever notice that? They scream and yell at each other. That's like how they converse. So I can imagine Jesus doing this sets everybody off, but he doesn't care because he wants people connected with God. But listen to Matthew 21, 12 through 14. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And notice what it goes right into. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed him. Here's what happened. All of this merchandising, and all, all, let's say this, all of the things that were appropriate to help people worship and sacrifice to God were there. But what happened was it had all been distorted. And everybody was overlooking in Matthew 21 those that needed help the most, the blind and the lame, they were there, but nobody was noticed on them because they were so busy doing business. 
that they didn't look around at those that needed a touch to be whole and healed. And I think that's what happens why I need God to overturn tables in my life, that I get my eyes off of me. I get my eyes off my situation. I get my eyes focused back on him. And the moment my eyes are focused, then my eyes are focused back on these people need the word of the Lord today. These people need me to pray for them. These people need me to lay hands on them today because they were there or they came to him. Now, I, I imagine everybody was afraid of Jesus and wanted to go away from him. These weren't afraid. They wanted to come to him unabated, nothing in the way. And I think when we do that, when we look in ourselves and overturn the things that need to be overturned, it's almost like we see clearly the needs that are right in front of us. And we would say, that's why God had me here. That's why God had me do this. I'm not to focus on Jesus's whip. That would be a great Sunday school story today, wouldn't it, with the kids? We're all going to make a whip. And when you go home, don't tell mom and dad what you're going to do. Turn a table over and whip the dog. No, G Jesus in the scriptures, he didn't hit anybody. Don't leave here telling somebody, yeah, we read today in church, he hit people. No, 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 he didn't hit anybody. The Bible doesn't say he hit anybody. Uh, drove them out, right? Drove them out. Well, if a guy had a whip in a store, you'd run too, right? You'd get out of the way. Animals need a whip to get moving on the way. He's not hitting children, right? I wanted to get little Bobby ever since he'd been following me around after the wedding at Cana Galilee, right? Just happened to hit him. No, he's not doing, he's not doing that at all. He's wanting to clear the space so that the people that need to be healed can be free to come in, to be open. So I pray today, in fact, if you'd... Uh, Bow your heads with me today. We're going to sing that song again uh, to close as a song of, of worship. It's sad when we read in John 2 at the end that Jesus couldn't tell more people about what he was going to do. He couldn't trust them. He couldn't tell them. He knew what was in man. Well, in John 6, they want a sign. They want proof. He knew what was in man. He goes into the temple and instead of helping people worship God, they're taking their eyes off of God and putting them on things. And he, he knew what was in man. So he knows what's in my heart and he wants to come in and he wants me to scrub my soul. Scrub it down. So that when it's it scrubbed and clean, that it's focused on the things that are of him. So Lord, as we come today, we, we thank you for this word. That a day in your courts is better than a thousand. That Jesus overturns these things, not in a fit of rage, but he's wanting people to come to God. He's wanting those that need to be healed to be healed and to, to restored. He's wanting people to now see, hey, there, there are needs out there. Lord, I pray today in our lives that we are sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that he's speaking to our hearts. And Lord, even as we worship you, that we don't worship lyrics to a song, but we sing out of our hearts to you because Jesus paid the way that so we can worship you freely.
If there's anybody here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you read, you, you see these story today. I pray that you see that Jesus wanted you and would do anything for you to have a relationship with him. In fact, I would ask all of us to pray this prayer. Pray this after me. Dear Lord, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that he lived. And that he died for me. I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart and changing my life. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving all my sin. Thank you for giving me of all. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? And if you prayed that prayer or, as we say, rededicated your life, made a change, uh, come see us at the end of service just so that we can pray and connect with you. It's so important. I want to encourage you to do this. We stopped a little bit early and I wanted us to sing this, this song again because it really speaks to what Jesus said even in today's reading where he stands up and he yells out uh, and he cries out, the Bible says, whoever thirsts, come to me and you'll never ever thirst again. It's his heart of us being filled with him. So don't pay attention to the person next to you, behind you. Take time, if you would, worship the Lord today. He's made a way for you to worship him. Let's sing together. <laughs>